0: Hello, welcome to Manchester is Red podcast. It is Manchester is Red on tour today. Uh, I'm Tyrone Marshall, joined by Samuel Lockhurst. Uh, We are sat together, and usually for these podcasts, uh, in the same room, in in a hotel room in New York at the moment. First leg of, of Manchester United's pre-season tour. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see that we are we are sat next to each other rather than in our, our bedrooms and our offices yeah. back in very uh, very intimate setting. Back this in the so. northwest, <laughs> it is yes, yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's why it might be sounding different or, or looking different. Uh, Samuel, ever the pro, has actually brought his um, his podcasting microphone with him. Uh, my suitcase was packed purely with clothes <laughs> and, and trainers, uh, but Samuel has, has thankfully brought some work stuff. So. It's, uh, it should go smoothly so like I say we're, we're on tour we're in New York uh, we arrived in, in New York on Tuesday ahead of United and so we've been here a couple of days United landed I think late last night um, so, Samuel, what what have you made of, of the city so far? I mean, it's been a fairly quiet start in terms of, of work for it, us. It there.
1: has, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, f- fortunately, it's my third time here, and you, you still find new corners and, and new things mm-hmm. to see. Uh, there was, a, I think it was Washington Square Park I came across yesterday that I, I hadn't seen before, and that's really... Picturesque. It's uh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be here. We've um, we've. I think both of us have done a fair fair few amount of steps uh, already. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, there's there's just so much to see. And even round the corner from us, you've got. Uh, for film film enthusiasts, the Ghostbusters fire station. Uh, you went to Brooklyn Bridge yesterday. I've I've still not done Brooklyn Bridge, so I'm I'm going to have to do that. But I can, I, I can imagine there are people listening to this thinking, oh, you know, lucky lucky so and so's, and really envious. And, and we are lucky. We are extremely Ooh. extremely privileged and uh, pleased to be here. And uh, it, it is you know speaking selfishly, it is also a, a bit of a pity that we have to leave on, on Sunday. But it it could be worse. We're going off to San Diego and, and Houston and and Las Vegas as well of course
0: yes it is it is very fortunate we have been talking about what you what you want to see we was, it's my first time in New York we were saying last night it's one of those cities you could keep coming back to and still never do yeah. everything you want to do uh, we've been talking about tomorrow, Friday we're recording on a Thursday today Friday is, is a very busy day for us um, yeah. with Eric Ten Hag's first press conference of the of the summer, which we will come on to shortly, and then we have actually got a football match for ourselves. We're playing the US media. So yes, another one. If you don't hear from us after Friday, we will we'll be hanging our heads in in shame if we have uh, if we have lost to the American media. Um, and then Arsenal's press conference. So plenty uh, plenty going on heading into the weekend. The, the strange situation. I, I covered the United game against Leon yesterday from my hotel room in in New York, watching on the the huge TVs in in this in these hotels on ESPN2 and um, yeah the, the beauty of outside broadcasting for those watching now you might notice I'm a little bit smaller than uh, than Samuel I'm sat in one of the other the other chairs in his hotel room the, which the is the quite snug, the snug chair I'm the in the, chair, the office yeah, chair Samuel's yes. in the pro chair yeah. uh, so I propped myself up with a couple of cushions and talking of things that were cushioned uh, Donny van der Beek's volley against nice. Leon um, yeah, uh, not a thrilling friendly, um, like I say, one, one that I watched from my hotel room, United were flying straight after, which is why we were kind of the, the advanced party, it wasn't initially clear when they would start media uh, activities over here, but two wins from two in pre-season, two clean sheets, uh, two games where there's been wholesale changes after half-time, but another, another decent workout for United really.
1: Yeah, the I mean Ten Hag said afterwards that it's it's been the two first halves of these two friendlies have been identical for the for the senior players and that they've they've had quite a lot of the ball, they've they've pressed well, they've been purposeful, they've created chances, but they haven't scored and that is is something that is not lost on supporters because United have made two signings out this summer for key positions for positions they needed to strengthen. Uh, those two players are going to improve the team, but we're going to keep on saying it until this number nine comes in. They have still not got someone who's going to consistently put the ball in the back of the net. And you look at the the identity of the goal scorers so far in preseason. It's Noah Memmer and Joe Hugel uh, and, and Van der Beek. Uh, two of those players haven't gone on tour. Uh, Van der Beek has scored two goals in in three years with United, and we'll, we'll get onto it shortly. But he, he told our colleague Stephen Ralston, who, who was in Edinburgh, that he could he could leave this summer, and that was you know, I think, you know, I think you've got to give give Van der Beek some credit there because he could trot out the usual claptrap about oh I'm focused on fighting for my place, but he's he's got to be realistic about these things. He, he knows that's not worked out for him over over the last three years, and. That that goal will have done him the power of good. You could see. It. I mean, this is the beauty of um, modern technology now. As, as much of an uh, old old person I sound there, but I actually was able to watch Van der Beek's goal just wandering around New York. I think the first time I came to New York, I couldn't find anywhere to find um, f- find a bar that was actually showing United's game. I think it was against Juventus in the Champions League. So uh, that's that's how much things have changed. But it was a, it was a really well taken goal. Looking at the highlights, I mean, you you watch the game, I've I've just gone off the highlights. But again, yeah, Ahmad he, he's gonna have to take his chances if he wants to be absolutely certain of staying in the first team squad because it, it does matter to Sten Hag. I know Ahmad played it down on I think it was his Instagram um, post last last night about how you know it's there's no rush to score just yet but you, you've got to be got to be a bit more ruthless than that. He had he had a good opportunity at the very least Anthony as well is They've they've invested a lot of money in him, and that chance yesterday. Okay, the ball is going away from him a little bit, but he should still be turning that in. And that was that was a bit of an issue they had with him last season as well. and that his his chance conversion is not great. He's not a particularly clinical forward just yet. And that's that's where United are with their attack. They've got a lot of attackers who you look at them. The potential there is is good. Uh, Anthony has been compared to to Robin by by Ten Hag. Gamad had a really good season on loan at Sunderland. Garnacho looks a hell of a player. He's the only player in the FA Cup final who, who had Manchester City on the back foot. But I mean, Sancho as well. He's, he's not a young player. I don't think you can talk about potential with him. It's you know he's he's been playing enough senior football as it is. But they are there's a certain flakiness about yeah. a lot of these forwards. Apart from you'd say probably Rashford because he got thirty goals last season, and even then there was definitely a leveling off from with. With Rashford after the League Cup final, his form seems to mirror the team's form. He scored what was it, four, or five more goals after mm-hmm. the League Cup yeah. final. that's that's three plus months of football that he had, and it's 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 great for United that they've they've been able to reinforce their spine quite quickly with two two good players. I'd say Anana is I said last week he's probably one of the top ten goalkeepers in the world. He's definitely an upgrade on De Gea in terms of all the attributes a modern keeper needs. Mount is a He's a more dynamic midfielder than Eriksen. They needed that. He's a player who's aligned with Ten Hag. But we will keep on coming back to the issue of, of goals. And they've they've played a couple of teams who, one team got relegated last season. Leon are not the team they were when they were actually you know looking a decent outside bet to go go all the way in the Champions League. What ten fifteen years ago. Uh, but they're, they're about to play more competitive teams now and there'll be a lot more scrutiny on these games in the States where they're playing Arsenal, who have spent a hell of a lot of money so far this summer and came close to win the league last season. They're playing Real Madrid and then, to a lesser extent, Dortmund as well. So uh, it's you know they, they need a striker in. But it, I suppose when you look at the players who've, who've played so far, you would... If, if you're a United fan, those starters yesterday, I think the majority of them you'd be happy to have in the squad next season. I can't imagine just going through the the, the eleven again. I mean, Fernan and Fernandez is probably the rawest of them, and he's gone on tour, which is deserved. I think he he was unfortunate not to go on tour last year, but you could certainly see him having a place in that squad as as another backup left back, especially where Luke Shaw could be needed at centre back. Still, you you are going to probably need another left-back there unless you're signing a centre-back um, depending on what happens with Harry Maguire but Mount, uh, he was obviously with Maynou again uh, Stephen, he, he was rhapsodising about Maynou and his piece, I thought Maynou was really good against Leeds I would be very comfortable with having him as as the fifth midfielder in that squad uh, this season if, if, if Fred does go and that's still a bit up in the air. He wasn't up in the air yesterday because he stayed behind <laughs> in Manchester. Um, it's, it's been another peculiar pre-season for him in that he, he didn't play against Leeds to, to manage his workload, which was a strange excuse. And, and now he's got a personal issue to attend to, but it, it doesn't seem like his... Uh, loss of sort. It didn't seem like his wife was with him in Manchester and everyone knows that there's a chance, a very good chance that he could leave. Mm. But you look at the other players who, who started, what was the front three? Ahmad... Uh, Ahmad Anthony. Anthony Sancho, Sancho Mojbri. Sancho's not going to be solid. Old, you, you've, you need you need squad players as well. So I think that team yesterday, although it was a bit of a, a shadow team, um, given that the, the players who are about to participate in games, it, it does signal that there is decent squad strength there. Even though the squad depth is going to need to be improved as as the window
0: goes on. Yeah, definitely. And, and <laughs> Ten Hag was critical of them again yesterday for missing chances and said this was something that, that cost us and hurt us last season. And they could have been 4-0 up after 10 minutes yesterday <coughs> excuse me they started so quickly and, and did miss those chances and you mentioned Van der Beek there I mean a Champions League semi-finalist looking emotional at scoring in a pre-season friendly probably says a lot about what yeah. he's been through over the last few years obviously he had that nasty knee injury in, this, in January rather I mean he wasn't really pulling up any trees before then but no. he was starting games and, and beginning to get opportunities under Ten Hag but it does, does kind of feel like it's coming to the end for him now Um I thought him and Hannibal both played quite well in that kind of advanced position yesterday. But at most, you'd think one of them would be in the squad next year. The problem with finding a backup for Fernandez is that Fernandez is never injured. You know the backup yeah, plays yeah. so rarely. He started 37 to 38 league games last year and missed one through suspension. So it's it's very rare that he misses games. And so Van der Beek was very very poor in that Van game Beek against was Villa. Was poor in that game against Villa. Yeah, definitely. So it's hard to find someone who can fulfil that role. You mentioned youngsters there. I mean, Kobe Maynard is a youngster, he's only 18, yeah. but he feels like part of the furniture in the first team now. There's always this danger in pre-season of, of reading too much into it. Think back to when we were in Thailand and Australia last year and we all thought Zidane, Zidane, Zidane Bell, Bell was yep. great. And <clears throat> now he's been sold for, for a million euros. The, the slower pace of these games can allow kids to to look pretty good. Um, but a couple stood out, I, uh, Kobe especially, and I thought Dan Gore in the second half looked really good as well, yes. very tenacious, uh, young centre-back by the name of Johnny Evans in the second half <laughs> not, not sure if he's going to have a decent career but he did, um, did fairly well um, so yeah there was, there was positives from from that game really wasn't there and it is an opportunity for the kids we've seen the tour squad now be announced there's, there's plenty of youngsters in there and it's a chance for them to, to catch the eye yeah, I mean Evans is so old that he's he's older than
1: me, uh, but he, <laughs> he he still looks in pretty good. Nick, I mean there was his his agent put a post out of it was that how it started, how it's going, cool. and it, there's not a lot of difference between him when he first mm. wore United kit in the first team. Um, goodness me, that was 2006, I think it was. Crikey, it's so 16, 17 years ago even. Um, but I mean we'll wait wait and see what happens there. I think when he when he was. Uh, clocked going into Carrington last week. I think there was a sense that there was maybe more to it than him just training mm. because a player of that caliber, he should be quite comfortably getting a club elsewhere. If he's bothering to check in at Man United, there must be more to it than just yeah. going in wearing the training kit. And he's on this short-term deal. You wouldn't be surprised if it is extended and he's a he's a he's a backup center back because with Maguire he's got to leave uh, even Wayne Rooney his, his stable mate uh, the Triple S agency who represents them both he, he said that he's got to he's got to leave I mean his position has been undermined and I think there are a lot of United fans out there who'd probably argue that Johnny Evans is a better centre-back than, than Harry Maguire as well I think they probably signed uh, the old one from Leicester well, four yeah, years ago exactly and um, Evans has probably been a little bit unfortunate that since he left United he's not got a bigger move City yeah. were definitely in for him a few years ago but it never materialised um, back when he had quite high resale value, and then Leicester got him at a snip because there was, a, I believe, there was a release clause in his contract for three million pounds or, or something like that. Um, but at the opposite end of the age spectrum, I, I mean, Mayu is, is is just a really good footballer. Uh, the first time I saw him live, I think it was the FA Youth Cup semi final. He he was the one who stood out, and Garnacho was starting that night, and I thought Mayu was the best player in that squad Garnacho has probably exceeded expectations simply because when you're a winger of that age it's very difficult to transmit that form to first team level and he's done that remarkably quickly and he's United have got him under contract for another five years and hopefully for them he'll be a tremendous player but I thought Manu looked particularly comfortable and Dan Gore as well um, stood out during those games and it, it it really did signal how much football has evolved that when you compared that Youth Cup winning team to the previous Youth Cup winning team in 2011, um, an 11-year gap, that team, the the three midfielders were Ryan Tunnicliffe, Paul Pogba and Ravel Morrison. Morrison was a maverick, um, but Tunnicliffe and Pogba were quite, Physical midfielders, box to box midfielders, with Gore and Mainu, they're, they're like pocket dynamos. Mm. It's all about pass and move, yeah. pass and move. Then they're not physically imposed in, partic- in particular, but that's how football shifted because of what what Guardiola did with with Barcelona. And now you've got, I mean the the youth system in England is great. You look at the youth honours, the, the mm. England under twenty ones, the under twenties, was it the under nineteens as well? A mm. few years ago they've all won major tournaments the i mean the england senior side have got to a euros final and a world cup semi final so it is starting to bear fruit and the youth system in england is is one of the the best in the world and we weren't able to say that 10 years ago i think a lot of people were despairing about it but Mainu is is he's definitely a player that if you saw him in a barcelona kit or an ajax kit you would you would believe that he's he's come through their academy and that bodes well for United because their manager is is, is from Ajax and he, he has a set way of playing and he wants his midfielders to be quite similar. And that was one of the issues that Ten Hag had last year. If a midfielder came out of the team, the team played in a completely different yeah. way. Whether it was Eriksen, Tyrone in the second half and Fred coming on, whether it was Casemiro being suspended and McTominay having to take his place, it completely compromised the balance of the team the way they approached it. If you've got who Eriksen... And, and mount as three of your creative deep line midfielders. There's a clear, you know, there's there's there are similarities there, and clearly with Manu as well, is that he's trusted by his teammates. They're not looking at him and thinking he's too callow to have the ball. They are they're actually quite glad to give him the ball and allow him to express himself. And um, we spoke about how quickly he made an impact in, in the Leeds game. But I really. Although Casemiro has not played in pre-season yet, you would hope that you'd almost want to actually if you're Ten Hag, you want to consult Arsenal and say what half are you playing Declan Rice in? And yeah. then reserve that half for Mainu and give him as much exposure against the best midfield as possible so he can um, you know he can go toe to toe with them. Because that's what he needs now. He's 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 had three first team appearances against a League One team and two relegated teams in, in Reading and, and Leicester now that he's on tour as sedate as these games can be you want to pit him against some of the best midfielders in the world I mean Real Madrid have, they've, they've got five midfielders who most teams would, would still uh, gladly have whether it's Modric who's a veteran or whether it's Camavingo although he plays at left back and can play brilliantly there he's one of the best up and coming midfielders and that's without mentioning Jude Bellingham who's just joined them as well so it's in Manu's interest to have a good you know, a good half an hour or a half against these teams, I think, in these uh, these tour games.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm with you on Johnny Evans as well. I mean he is, he's not in the the tour squad as such. He's no. going to San Diego with the um, with the Academy or play against Wrexham. But I, I can see that potentially turning into a, a permanent move. It's the interesting thing with Ten Hag that when he came as United Manager there were a lot of fans excited at his faith in youth and he does have faith in in young players and especially players coming through um, academies but he he is happy to sign older players as well his his transfer activity at Ajax was almost exclusively senior players really and and players 28 plus he signed two 30 year olds for United last year so I don't think he'll be concerned at Evans is 35 I think he'll maybe see that as as a Value and experience to have around the place on a one year deal. There's not or an ounce of fat on him as well. He, he, looks, he, looks, he looks in great leaner condition. than he's, yeah. than he's ever been. I think suits Ten Hag style. I mean, I think his passing is, is a very underrated quality in his yeah. game. The fact Man City tried to sign him yeah. probably tells you that, and his use of the ball is, is very good. So, as a fourth, or even fifth choice centre back, I think there's. There's potential there for that to, to turn into a, a permanent deal. How many are they off now of, a, of an eleven of near, nearly near misses with Pep Guardiola? You got Maguire, <laughs> yeah, Evans Fred. Yeah.
1: Sancho was there whilst Guardiola was there. As yeah, well.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a a, a Man City failed transfer that I mean six years on I think I think it's 2017 when they signed signed Johnny Evans wasn't it but it was yeah yeah he still he still looks to be in the same condition uh, in 2023 as he was in in 2017. Uh, That's all for the first part of the Manchester Is Red podcast we'll be back after the break to discuss a signing that is even more imminent than Johnny Evans's return. Welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast on location in New York with myself and Samuel Luckhurst and we are going to be joined uh, not in this room but in New York generally by Andre Anana pretty quickly. Um, the signing yet to be confirmed uh, but he is on his way to New York. He's he's completed his medical. He's flying out today. Uh, been pictured at Manchester Airport flying out with Aer Lingus which has brought some, um, some mirth to, to those of us from the uh, the Manchester media circles over here, myself and Samuel and uh, and Jamie from The Guardian flew with Aer Lingus yesterday and uh, it was a, a very smooth flight and landed at the right airport. Uh, a few of our colleagues set off about an hour and a half earlier on the more exclusive Virgin Atlantic it, service yeah. and, and landed in Boston due to bad weather unfortunately. So uh, a, a terrible, terrible shame for them and, and a lot of sympathy and uh, obviously Andre's decided it's better off with the, the cheaper airline than it lands in the right city at least. Um, but a, a very good signing. I mean, it's one that's been we've talked about a lot already. It's it's been very um, very well trailed. There's no surprises here, but a, a decent signing and a good sign that you know United are getting their business done. You think back to last year's tour, and Till Malassia was the only player on tour. They they signed Eriksson and Martinez. I think while they were away, but they're yeah, so far they're away amazing. in Australia, they didn't join up to have two first team players essentially at the tour from the start is a sign of of business being done pretty well this summer, isn't it? I mean, they seem to be getting their ducks in a row. De Gea's exit, maybe not handled very well, but you can't argue with the outcome. No. And, and things seem to be going pretty smoothly so far this summer.
1: Yeah, they, they, they should be in a chipper mood because of, of the, uh, the business they've already done. They've, they've invested a fair amount of money in upfront fees. It's nearly £100 million that they've spent on, on Mounds and Inanna. They, they're both going to be available for that Arsenal game. Uh, I mean, Mounts played two games already. I suspect Anana will not play because he'll only have. Well, I mean, I suppose it is possible that he'll get a training session in today, but given the the flight times and the, the duration of the flight, you'd imagine that his first main session will be tomorrow, which is good for us because we there's um, it's, it's a fifteen minute period, isn't it? I think that so, we can yeah. watch. Uh, training. So although it will probably just be an handling drop kicks from the goalkeeper coach Richard Hart it's, I think all eyes will be uh, trailed on him because it's going to be fascinating to see how how he performs at United and how United play with a very different goalkeeper to their their previous number one. I mean i, I there was a very good piece on the Times by Ian Hawkey about Inanna's, um upbringing, if you like, in, in, in youth football because he came through the Barcelona Academy and he goes to Ajax and he's gone to Inter Milan. He's played for three very big clubs. Mm-hmm. Barcelona and Ajax are so culturally aligned, the way they play. That stands United in good stead. It is it is interesting that this deal has happened. as I think it's happened reasonably quickly, all things considered, because nobody was really talking about Anana being... A, a candidate to replace De Gea until after the Champions League final. Now United will not have operated that way, thinking, "Oh, he looks really good. Let's yeah. let's go and sign him." But the the fact that they they have done that still, um, and also that Ten Hag did. There was a bit of a falling out there at Ajax. It, it didn't end smoothly. Uh, he obviously served that doping ban, which Ajax felt was unfair because. They say, and UEFA believed his case, that he uh, took something that uh, was, was mistaken. I think it was a pill that he thought... He thought it was an aspirin. That's right, he thought it was an aspirin, was it right. it was an aspirin but it was something, a medication that his wife was taking, and it included a banned substance. He, he insists it was a complete mistake. He didn't play uh, for, for nine months or whatever it was, but then when he was available, he didn't play very much whatsoever under Ten Hag. And this is, the, this is how quickly football moves at that time Dean Henderson was seen by Ajax as someone to, to come in and replace Inanna here you've got a scenario at United uh, Ten Hag's United where Anana's coming in and Henderson is almost certainly going yeah. and the, the goalkeeper situation is it is still peculiar because now they're going to have five keepers out oh, yeah. here yeah. and the one who's played the most in pre-season it is not is, here yeah. Mate Kovar who has, has looked very assured after a very very good season with, with Sparta Prague um, but United have told us that they expect him to go out on loan so that's why he's not coming it does beg the question well if, if there's one keeper who's going to be absolutely definitely leaving and leaving for good it's Dean Henderson yeah. but he has come out here which um, you know when I was told that and did the, the story on, on Tuesday I, I was slightly surprised but then again if if there's not a compelling offer on the table and he can continue his rehab or there's a chance he might play, why wouldn't you take him? Um, United, there's big resale value there so it would be senseless for United to to compromise that and there there is a patient and willing buyer there in Forest but they need to pull their finger out and just get that deal done and then um, we'll see where it goes but... Uh, I think when Ten Hag told some of our colleagues in Oslo last week that, oh, Dean Henson's an option, I mean, United have been peddling that as well. And as, as we said, yeah, he's an option for another club. Yes. He's Nobody has ever seen him as an option to be United you know, number one for the forthcoming season. And you know, he'll he'll smile for photos that are taken by club photographers, but that doesn't always tell the story. There's no way, I mean, everyone knows Dean Henson's character and there are some quotes he's uttered that, I think as I said to you, you'd, you'd see a quote in one of these like mocked up memes, and you'd always think, "Oh, that's that's been made up. That's yeah. nonsense." But if it's Dean Henson who said it, you completely believe that he said it. And there were some things he said that, you know, I, I, there was one about uh, he said when he was on loan at Sheffield United the first time, he said, "Oh, you know, it's their problem if they're not watching me. The cream always rises to the top." <laughs> and like, people can't remember that one because of the, the interview he gave last last year. But he was saying this stuff literally four or five years ago so he's never going to change and there's absolutely no way he's going to be content being number two no. three years on after being um, number two to, to David De Gea so United need to sort that out uh, the, with with the other backup goalkeepers Radit Vitek and Nathan Bishop they are just there to make up the numbers really I, I noticed that it's the same it's the same amount of players that Ten Hag has taken on yeah, tour I mean, as he took last year a 31, uh, a 31 man, squad. man squad I suppose it'll be what 33 if uh, Fred also comes out mm. here as well as Anana. so it's it's pretty bloated it seems quite needlessly bloated uh, you know Brandon Williams I think is probably only here because Tyrell Malassia is injured mm. but th- that's a lot of players and a lot of those players are not going to play any part in the first team squad uh, when, when the competitive season begins
0: yeah uh, the, the keeper situation is interesting I mean there's so much uncertainty and now we're ending up with five keepers over here Um, I I thought Kovar looked pretty good again yesterday he he certainly fits Ten Hag's model with his feet but him and Nathan Bishop are both 23 I mean it's you know United's love Kovar is going out on loan again I mean you you wonder if they even tried to sell him because I can't imagine he's going to come back next year at 24 and I mean is there going to be a role for him I guess he could be a number two next year but I think that still seems unlikely it it seems like one you'd potentially look to to cash in on and Bishop at 23 I mean he's barely played any senior football it's um,
1: are they ever going to get a fee for him he's out of contract next
0: year I can't imagine they are I mean who would who would buy him buy him yeah. um, you know it's a very strange situation I'm sure he feels it's, it's benefited him in in terms of you know he's got to train with David Teja and, and Henderson and Tom Heaton and now we'll get to train with Andre and Anna. it probably makes you a better player but at some point you've got to go and actually play 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 football yeah. haven't you yeah um, so yeah, so the goalkeeper situation is interesting. The the other interesting aspect is the other end of the pitch. Um, Jadon Sancho played as the the number nine yesterday in in the first half. I don't think that's something we're going to see long term. Um, Anthony Marshall, Anthony Marshall in the tour squad, um, the only number nine really, I guess, in, unless you're including Marcus Rashford, who, who can play there and did do okay there last year. But with Maint in, with Anana in, <coughs> it's fair to say attention is going to turn to the the third piece of the puzzle now and. That is probably the the hardest one to to fill, and it's going to be interesting to see where where they go from here. Because, you know, we've both done stories that United are, are working to kind of a net spend budget of 100 120 million this year. I mean, they're they're at that now, yeah. so they need to sell players to to raise funds to to sign a striker. We we've talked about striker a lot already this summer, and it's it it, it looks a really really difficult market, doesn't it? It, the, the, the going rate for Man United striker,
1: if they come to a, go to a club, that club is going to say, yeah, you know, ballpark figure of hundred million euros, hundred million pounds, um, de- depending on where, where the club is based. And as we as we just said, in terms of upfront fees, they've spent they've spent nearly a hundred million, so they've got around. 22 million if if you're working off this 120 million budget that would barely have covered Ruud van Nistrooy's fee in 2001 (laughs) uh, when when United did sign an extremely good striker and and developed him into a a world-class striker so they've I mean essentially they've not got enough money for it but you know that they they will do a deal for a striker by by hook or by crook they they bankrolled, that, that was a phrase uh, people at United used to us, they, they bankrolled deals for Casemiro and Anthony last year uh, because they had to, again, after the Brentford defeat. It was such a dire situation. It was pretty glaring that they needed uh, key players in, in key positions and, and they got them in the end. Uh, I, it is a bit of a surprise they've signed two worthy players and for positions that they absolutely needed upgrades in before... The striker. I think most of us just thought at the start of the summer, <clears throat> try and get a striker in as soon as possible, even if it does somewhat compromise your budget going right. forward. Um, I mean, with with the Anana deal, I, they they will have done that, knowing that, or, or at least feeling pretty confident that they're going to bank a decent fee for for Henderson, because that will cover a a great deal mm-hmm. of the of, of the cost for that. Um, that's the way they have to operate with with a number of positions and they've they've spoken quite openly to us about Fred and and the probability that he will be sold because a midfielder has come in and therefore a midfielder has to go out um, you know Marcel Sabitzer and, and, and Val course left on loan, and United have not outright said they will definitely not sign them permanently. But we know they will not not sign them permanently. Although I noticed Sabitzer scored five goals in he Bayern, yes, Bayern yeah. Munich's twenty-seven 27-0 nil win. Uh, friendly win. So uh, you know, if if, if 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 they're struggling for a number nine, there's <laughs> there's always that option, I suppose. But with I mean, Rasmus Hoyland is is the main one. But even still, with that, that's. That is becoming somewhat protracted given that, I mean, I did that story when Ten Hag, about Ten Hag having video calls with him and, and I think that was in May, uh, late May, early June. So that's been a couple of months already. John Murtough has spent quite a bit of time, I was told, with officials from Atalanta discussing Hoyland, um, you know, floating the possibility of, of Mason Greenwood being loaned out there as well. But if they do get Hoyland, which it seems to be—I mean, it seems to be the one that Ten Hag wants—because Harry Kane was just regarded as a no go. Mm. It's a twenty-year-old who's got an, a modest at best record in, in Italian football. He's got a great record for Denmark, but that's international football. It's you're not, you're not judged on that; you're judged on your club career. That's a big. It's, it's you know it's a big step up going from Atalanta uh, to to Man United. So I'd, it's going to be fascinating to see what they what they do with the striker situation. And Ten Hag has, has said already, uh, in, even in, with his chats to MUTV around these tour games, about the need to get players in early, and, and also the, the fact that what he said yesterday you know I think one of the first things he said was that they created a chance but they didn't score same as last year I think that was the phrase he used same as last year and that's going to nag at him until they get someone in who he's confident that when a chance falls his way he's going to stick it in the back of the net and it's almost pointless wasting oxygen on Marshall, but we don't know if he's even going to play on this tour. Um, there have been players who've come out on tour with United before just to continue their, their rehab. Up, yeah. And he's going to get asked about him, whether it's at a press conference, whether it's in the mix zone, or whether it's in our sit-down with him. Because he he didn't come back <coughs> when... Um, given that he's recovered from an injury, he didn't come back in advance, whereas other, the other players who were injured did. You have to ask that question. Why is that? It doesn't appear as though he's trained... Um, he's 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 been involved in team training and he's been back at Carrington for best part of what a week, two mm. weeks. So I think it's safe to say that he probably will not be playing against Arsenal. And maybe Ten Hag will clarify to us t- tomorrow at his press conference when when Martial will be ready to train again or ready to play again. But when when did he last play? And that that was a substitute appearance against Fulham on May 27th, I think, 26th. So you're already... He's pretty much at the point of a two-month absence. And that's without no football played. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we know all about his injury issues last last season. Yeah, so they absolutely cannot count on him. And they know that. And that just... I, I suppose it does accentuate the sorry, accentuate the, the element of, of surprise people feel that they haven't signed a striker because although they do have someone who actually has has the number nine on their back a lot of people would argue they literally do not have a number yeah. nine um, because they cannot play him and even worse, as it stands they cannot sell him
0: either Yeah, yeah Not a great situation no. to be in uh, That's all for part two We'll mm-hmm. be back in part three to discuss uh, that Eric Ten Hag press conference in a little more detail Welcome back to the Manchester is Red uh, podcast. To, to, so tomorrow, as I've already mentioned, uh, recorded on a Thursday, tomorrow we are going to see Eric Ten Hag. Uh, first time, myself and Samuel, would have seen him this summer. I think he did stop in in Oslo um, and speak to some of the, the pack over there, I believe. He only did yeah, MUTV. Which, which got, to, which chat got to, to chat to him. Yeah, he only did MUTV <coughs> yesterday. Uh, so a press, press conference for him tomorrow. sure will be busy. There's, there's plenty of Manchester-based media over here, as there always is with United. There'll be plenty of American interest. Uh, plenty of topics to discuss I mean transfers are always going to come up in a, in a transfer window and it would be interesting to see what he says because he has I, I thought he was quite strong after the last game of the season to um, to a question when he said about the importance of spending and kind of raised what they'd done or not done rather in, in January so I'm sure he'd be happy to have got mm. two in early but you know, it, it, there wouldn't be a surprise if there was another message in there maybe for, for the board and, and loosening the purse strings and, and working on that striker and I guess the other Fairly big issue is is the captaincy. Um, yeah, we've seen Harry Maguire's take on it, announcing it last week. And you know, I think we both agree it was a fairly dignified statement for from Maguire. But really, it it wasn't a surprise. You can't have a club captain who's not in the team um, and he could potentially leave. So no great surprise there. So we'll hear Ted Hag's views on that and a replacement. I guess um, you know United have said no decision was going to be made or at least communicated until the whole squad was together. They are together in New York now. I don't think there's really any suspense here. Um, Varane Varana's as captain. The last two, or started as captain in the two pre pre-season friendlies so far. But you know, Bruno Fernandez was captain for 42 games last season. He lifted the Carabao Cup with Maguire. It's it. It would be a major shock if it wasn't Fernandez as as captain and maybe Varane as vice captain. But <clears throat> you know, I don't know if we'll even announce that. I think there's generally a view on on the continent that. Uh, over here in uh, in Britain and England, we're a bit more obsessed with with captaincy issues than maybe they are in, yeah. in Europe, and you see <clears> the <throat> England captain all the time. But there's a lot of prestige that comes with being United club captain. It's it's a big role, but it is surely going to go to Bruno Fernandes, isn't it? You would think
1: so. It'd be a shock if it if it isn't. And he, he led very well, <clears throat> excuse me, last season as well. Apart from that that aberration at Anfield where he, he did just he definitely yeah. to tools really, and he did lose his head and. Um, but, I mean, I did a piece on the differences between Fernandes and, and Maguire in the week. And, I mean, F- Fernandes has effectively been United's captain for, for, for the best part of a year anyway. Because Maguire was, was dropped after two games last season and he never regained his place. And when he was rotated back into the team, I mean, Leeds away springs to mind because United just did not play well until Lisandro Martinez came on mm. and the balance was restored with Shaw going to the left back like Shaw got the assist for, for Rashford's winning goal but having Martinez there it, the, the difference between him and Maguire was just night and day you've got someone who's more mobile who is a hell of a lot better with the ball at their feet who can break the lines we've seen that already again in pre-season and He was—he was was probably United's best centre back last season. Martinez—he was a very, very, um, very—you know—he was a roaring success of a of a signing. I just think with Maguire, it would be a wrench to relinquish the United captaincy. But he should have done what Joe Root did with the England Test team, where just accept that he'd come to the end of the road, relinquish the captaincy, focus on your own form, and then it, you know you might be able to salvage your, your career at that level. And, and with McGuire, that that is not going to happen. I think his United career is is as good as done now. It it just it's dependent on whether there's that the United are going to get an offer that they deem acceptable. Uh, West Ham of the, the team that have inquired about him and you can completely see that happening it, it is probably a good fit for Maguire I mean as, as poor a two years as he has had at club level he's still a defender who would improve most defences in the Premier League but when you I think when we were speculating about teams who could who could go for him you'd think Villa but then they've signed Paul Torres mm. you'd think Newcastle Champions League team Maguire's agent is Freddie Shepherd, son um, Freddie Shepherd, who used to be the, the the chairman up at Newcastle. There's a bit of a romantic element to that, but would Newcastle break up Botman and Shah for Maguire? Totally. No. Um, and with West Ham, at least you've got a club there who have got a manager who would, would definitely value him, and also there there is some European football to offer as well. Uh, I mean, it's not like Maguire has been this you know he's, this European. Uh, he's he's got this immense pedigree of European football he'd never played in it I don't think until he he joined United I can't imagine so he's just got to accept his level now and, and sometimes that's difficult and it can be especially difficult if you've got Advisors as an entourage or a team around you telling you how great you are and how you're the Man United captain in England regular I mean it's not it's never been as black and white as that over the last year or, or 18 months his position as the captain was untenable as soon as Solskjaer was sacked and it it felt quite fitting that day at Watford that, um, that the that the final nail in the coffin for Solskjaer was really when, when Maguire got sent off because mm. United looked like they could actually salvage that game and just delay his sacking for another week. So we're in that <laughs> we're in that cycle of is this result bad enough yeah. to sack is this him. The one? And they were two one down in the ninetieth minute or whatever it was, and then Watford scored two more goals. Yeah. Like, yeah, now now, yeah. now is the time the to sack him. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean it was just ridiculous the way they, they went about that. Uh I mean Ralph Rangnick was getting questions about it like is is Harry Maguire going to remain captain and he was pretty much powerless it was pretty moot I suppose to do anything about it because he was only an interim but I think when we were in uh, Bangkok at the the stadium last last year for Ten Hag's first press conference and when it was announced that Maguire was going to retain the captaincy there was obviously this outrage on social media but Ten Hag has handled that situation really well because he, he just rendered the whole the, the topic of it moved yeah. because he took Ronaldo out of the team, took Maguire out of the team when there was this really strange power struggle between them. And United were better without both of them. One went very quickly, the other one is possibly probably going this summer. Um, that's that's just good management. And Fernandez, he's He's, he's very much Ten Hag's captain. Yeah. Um, he he, he captained United against Liverpool in that whatever that trophy game was uh, in, in Bangkok last year. And I think when when we were looking at the squad, when when Ten Hag was preparing to take over at United, Fernandez had had a really bad season in twenty one twenty two. But you you thought that Ten Hag would absolutely relish having someone with that talent and with that mentality yeah. as well, yeah. and also with with Fernandez you know journalistically it matters more to us maybe than for the supporters but does, it should matter to supporters fernandez i think is a more authentic uh, talker than maguire um, the way he communicates he doesn't uh, unfortunately for harry maguire it's, it's it's maybe not his fault but when he talks it just sounds like he's been media trained to an inch of, to within an inch of his life and he just sounds very inauthentic you don't get that with fernandez um he's I mean, United put him up to speak to to myself and and, and Neil, Neil, Neil Custis. That is before the the Derby in January, and you know, that was that was a very deliberate choice because he was going to captain Manchester United in a Manchester Derby, and he was he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant talker, and you can't say that about Harry Maguire, and you shouldn't necessarily penalise a player because of that, and he will always be judged in his form. And if you're judging them on form, Fernandez, wherever he played last season, he had an impact. He was yeah. brilliant as a deep line midfielder. He was very good off the wing uh, as the number ten. That's his prime role as well. He is he's an undroppable again. And you couldn't say that in that 21-22 season where every, almost everyone had an absolute stinker. Um, but he is he's been one of the few successful, outright, out and out successful
0: signings of the post for post Ferguson era. era um, yeah and, and then after the, the press conference tomorrow it's to the MetLife Stadium on Saturday uh, pre-season stepping up a level uh, game against Arsenal uh, Arsenal beat Wayne Rooney's MLS All-Stars 5-0 in, in Washington last night um, a few of their new signings already I think Declan Rice played for them for the first time there uh, Kai Havertz has played a couple of games for them now a pretty decent test and we're going to see I would imagine a, a, a different United those, those internationals that played in June uh, are back now I think they returned to Carrington um around about a week ago was it um, uh, Saturday Saturday yeah <clears throat> um so they they none of them really went to um went to Edinburgh but they're they're, they're all on tour and it's the time now where we're going to start to see more and more of that that first team that first 11 that we're expecting Ten Hag to, to start the season with are not we
1: yeah, so that would be what? Casemiro, Rashford, Anthony started uh, yeah, the start other though, day. Yeah. Uh, Fernandes, of course. Who else would there be? Luke Shaw Luke would be Shaw. another one. Veranda's been signed. Martin has been signed. Possibly Dallow. Dallow, the right back situation. Yeah, the, the right back situation it's is interesting. It, I yeah, guess. it is. Yeah. That will probably become. I mean, it's, it's a subject of interest as it is, but it's probably going to have some legs as pre season goes on. There'll yeah. be a lot of uh, compare and contrast uh, Dallow's performances with. Wan Bissaka's performances. I mean, Wan Bissaka's had a couple of starts or a couple of halves already, mm. but he's certainly from the Leeds game. He, he he got forward plenty, but he didn't do anything in the final third, which is you know, pretty much par for the course with him. Yeah, familiar. It, um, I think the FA Cup final was was an exception to that. He was, he, I, I thought, he was United's best player against City, and and he did well to salvage the the attack that got got the penalty and and gave them something of a chance in, in a final they were otherwise outplayed in uh, but that, that, I suppose that's maybe the only obviously the number nine they that they've that's on hold it, it, it remains to be seen what Ten Hag will do with that now that he's got all of his squad available but other than the number nine position the number two is the one which is up in the air because Shaw is a starter Anana Martinez, um, Varane, Casemiro, uh, Mount I mean, Fernandez, Rushford, Anthony they, they all seem pretty nailed on mm. it's just of the current players available it's the right back where I think there's a, there is uncertainty yeah. it, it feels like it is pretty much 50-50 at the moment uh, Dallow had a very good pre-season last year and he after a you know, bad start for everyone he, he did manage to pretty much sustain that form and and build momentum, and that momentum was halted by his injury at the World Cup, and he had a he had a pretty poor second half of the season. Really, I, I think maybe overall you could argue that Wan Bissaka did have the better season, given the the first few months were an absolute write off. Yeah, yeah, but he had the resilience to he fought back really yeah, well. Didn't exactly. It? When I think there was certainly some interest again from West Ham in in taking him on loan in the January window, but he was he was in a prominent role at that point and, and starting regularly for United by the time they went into the new year um, but, but I mean you look at Arsenal they've invested a hell of a lot of money uh, again already I mean Stan Cronkow used to get a hell of a lot of stick from Arsenal supporters for not investing but I don't think it's a coincidence that Arteta and his character hes he's demanding not just of the players of his staff he's going to be demanding of 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 the hierarchy as well and he's held up his end of the bargain I mean it's it's easy to forget but Arsenal have won a trophy under Arteta with the FA Cup in 2020 they have had progressive seasons in the Premier League they are a force to be reckoned with again now as well people do take them seriously they they still had a capitulation that was reminiscent of some of the collapses they had um, under Arsene Wenger where they, they did flatter to deceive but They've they've I mean you know they've they've made a couple of of statement signings. I'm, I'm not convinced Kai Havertz will be an absolute game changer for them, but I do think he will probably be better for Arsenal than he was at yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea purely sure. because of Arteta's coaching. Yeah. Uh, Rice would improve just about any team in the Premier League, bar maybe City, and City still bid for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with with Jurian Timber be interested to see how he mm. does purely because uh, originally he was Ten Hag's preferred pick to sign as mm. uh, as a centre-back last summer but he wanted to to stay with Ajax for another year and it, it didn't go particularly well for him so he's actually he's possibly quite fortunate to have got uh, a move to Arsenal when his stock is not as his stock this summer is not That's as high, high as it was last year, year again, was yeah, it sure uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he adapts, given how well Martinez adapted after a well, it was you know, Brighton and then that half against uh, Brentford, it was pretty galling, but he, he was terrific for United. So if, if Timber's got anything about him, he could be a very good signing. And it'll be interesting to see where he plays because he can play at full back, but given how I mean it was it was Saliba and someone else really last season. As soon as Saliba went out of that team they had a problem. Off, yeah. Um I still think Arsenal need a right-back as well because contrary to what their supporters may suggest, I didn't think Ben White was this, this great right-back who, who should have been in the England squad or starting for England. I think they're going to need to do something there. Maybe it'll be White going back inside and Timber playing there or Arteta will switch, goodness knows. But it's um, it's it's good for us uh, when you come out here that there are... I mean, yesteryear, when United would tour countries, they would just play the teams in the country and that was not ideal preparation yeah. uh, because the standard was, was so poor back then. It's not the case anymore now and it's been this way for a long time as well that so many European teams come out to the States. or I mean, City are playing Bayern Munich, I think, in, in Japan or Korea because they they always want to play against a team of, of good calibre. But having said that, there's, there have been times where you if you play an MLS side... MLS they're they're midway through their season pretty much so the fitness levels are up etc but sometimes the MLS teams can't be bothered with these games Uh, United have found that in the past playing against LA Galaxy and LA LA Galaxy putting a shadow side out and I think Wayne Rooney was asked what he'd learnt from all Stars game and his one-word response was nothing,
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is is completely true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, right, that's all for for now from New York for the Manchester is Red podcast. Uh, keep an eye on our, our social media channels, on our YouTube channel, on TikTok, all of that for more content and video and audio from New York. Uh, like I said, myself and Samuel will be at Eric Ten Hag's press conference tomorrow and open training to be plenty from that. And then we'll be at the MetLife Stadium on Saturday for the game against Arsenal. In terms of a podcast, we'll probably be back on Monday, I would think. Uh, United move on to San Diego after the Arsenal game. So we're, we're flying coast to coast and off to San Diego on Sunday. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll speak to you again on Monday once we get to San Diego. Uh, two games next week, the, the Wrexham-Real Madrid doubleheader. So we'll look ahead to them and look back at the Arsenal game. Uh, but for now, that's all. Thanks for joining us today.